Welcome to the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I'm Andrew Whaley. Today is Halloween. It is. And so this is the Halloween edition of the Over the Counter Podcast. Which is which is fitting because it's like a, the, the, our podcast has seemingly risen from the dead because we haven't <laughs> recorded since like before you went to Rome. <laughs> yes, yes. So we do have to apologize to all of our raging fans that this uh, particular podcast is coming several weeks delayed from the previous previous episode. Life got in the way. Life here. does get in the way every once in a while. And we could have one of us could have done one by ourselves or interviewed someone else, but we're we're kind of we're kind of a team, you know. It's like you know, so yeah. I don't know if it would really work. Oh, we should. Well, maybe we should try that at some point. Um, I do like having guests. I do like having guests too. We'll have to have more guests. Yeah, that's fun. So, uh, so Halloween edition of Over the Counter. It is the Halloween edition. I'm probably not going to post it for a few days, so it probably won't actually be online uh, on let's, Halloween. Let's, let's, well, let's mm. put it up as quick as possible. I'll see what I can do. No promises. Do, can we can we get special effects before you put it up? Like, <laughs> I was thinking about adding some spooky intro music. Ooh, like with a theremin. No, I would rather do um, what is it? Night on Bald Mountain or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know those, those like those organ Halloween organ pieces. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so well here. Let me tell a story. So my uncle played the carillon at University of Michigan. What is the carillon? A carillon is a giant bell tower. Uh, well, a, a course, right? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you just told me it was. There's, there's one at Denver University. There is. Uh, there aren't very many around the country, but he is a carillonneur. <laughs> And, and uh, awesome. yeah, so he used to play the, the Carolina University of Michigan a lot. And anyway, so every year they had a Halloween concert yeah. um, that like the orchestra would put on at, uh, at University of Michigan. And bef- beforehand or afterwards, or maybe both, he would perform spooky pieces on the Carillon at University of Michigan, including Night in Bald Mountain, among other pieces. Wow. Kind of cool. Carolyn, I, so so I mean, you've I, taught me something. I've gotten to go up there, right, and see see the bells. Like some of the bells are multiple tons. Yeah, right. Like you know, eight feet tall. I just picture like the the hunchback of Notre Dame swinging from the. It's kind of hunchback of Notre Dame ish. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, and it is so. It's the the instrument that is closest to is maybe an organ, but instead of keys, it has sticks. I don't even. I mean, literally, there there are little sticks that come out of the the keyboard, if you will, and you smack them with your fists or your feet. So when he plays the carillon, it's like an athletic event, right? Because he's, he's sliding back and forth on the bench, hitting these, these sticks with his fists and his feet to play these complex chords and things uh, wow. on the bells. It's, it's a pretty okay. amazing instrument. Okay, after, after we get done with the podcast, I want to go on YouTube and look up. And I want find to, a carillonneur. Uh, carol, carillonneur. All right, so... Um, the the Halloween edition of Over the Counter, we've we've got some. So basically, we're just going to talk about. We're going to use cer- certain spooky kind of cliche Halloween things to kind of as a I, jumping off point, so to speak, to talk about things. That I are think more, it's just a really interesting excuse to talk about hylomorphism. That I think that that is so. Hylo, the, the hylomorphic nature of man is um, meaning that you're an embodied soul. 
or a right. ensouled body. Right. They, uh, you know, uh, St. Thomas says that the, the soul of Peter is not Peter. Right. I mean, a human person has a body. Right. Which is kind of interesting because as Catholics, you know, we get, we get our body back. It's one of the few religions on earth where it's like maybe the only one on earth where we're not Gnostic. We're not trying to get out of the we're whole. Dualist or we're not trying to get out of the whole corporality thing. Right. You know, we don't think that flesh is bad. I know that's the rap we get, but that's not that's not the game. Yeah. So we're soul and body. And so I guess we were kind of chatting earlier and the two things that you see clearly in Halloween, I think there's a certain repulsion in man, you're kind of scared of like a corpse or a skeleton because it's a body without a soul. And we're also scared of the concept of ghost because it's a soul without a body. And there's something that internally in us that sees, no, 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 these things go together. And when these things are not together, there's something wrong or at least something not permanent. So you look at that corpse and we have to fill in hope of like, oh, well, this isn't the last, this isn't the end of the story. Hmm. Or there's more to, or if you see, you think about just like this disembodied soul waiting for the resurrection or whatever, it's like, you know, okay, well then, I mean, he's not going to stay, you know, a ghost floating around playing a harp on a cloud or whatever, you know, just, it's, you know, all these cliched images, right? Because we, because somehow we want to see it come back together because that's what, to be truly alive, and to be what we are is right. Does it does that make sense? To be truly human, yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes you think about how we do funerals and stuff, yeah, and how there's so much ceremony, even in just a sort of physical sense that goes into right. burying someone. Um, and that's how they mark civilizations, kind of like where they progressed. Right. Like you've got like these hunter gatherers that are just kind of doing their thing. They're kind of like, oh, we found them, but they're all just they just kind of leave them where they lie. But then when they find a civilization, it's really primitive with a little bit of tools, but they have clear burial procedures and all of them are buried the same and they've put some stuff like some flowers. They clearly are doing something to to do that. It makes me think of the Etruscans. Yeah. Right. Which uh, had these elaborate tombs in northern Italy and all over the place. Just incredible. But we don't know anything about their civilization. We can't decode their language. Right. Right. So we, we know a lot about their civilization from these tombs, but we we don't know their history. Yeah. Know. Um, and it's actually fascinating. Yeah, we know very in, little about the it, Etruscans. In the history right? of archaeology, um, because there are so many Etruscan tombs, there was a, an archaeologist that would go around, and this is crazy, and like dig, or not dig, but um, drill holes yeah. uh, into these tombs and then uh, put a camera down in, down through the hole, take pictures of the whole thing, and then move on, right, rather than actually excavating all of these tombs because there are so many of them. Wow. It's kind of an interesting, relatively non-invasive archaeological kind of technique. <laughs> I think that, that I, like. I think that this is the Halloween edition. So I think whenever you we speak about these things, you should say, you know, all over northern Italy, there's a lot of Etruscan tombs. <laughs> you have to use like that spooky <clears throat> voice when you say things like tomb. You see, if there were in tru- Etruscan course. ghosts in Italy, Gross. we wouldn't be able to understand what they had to say because right. uh, we don't, we can't decode their language. It would be like speaking in linear A. Wow. Yeah. What, what is linear A? Well, it's the precursor language to linear B, of course. <laughs> and we, we <laughs> silly B. <laughs> that's like ancient cuneiform stuff, isn't it? Uh, no, no, no. It's 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 from um, the Minoan civilization on Crete, oh. right? So oh, okay. they were able to decode linear B to some extent, but not linear A. It's still a mystery. Ooh. So anybody out there looking to do graduate work that wants to spend their whole life rearranging characters and trying to figure a language out, linear A. And then there's there's m- another one, the Indus uh, language, the yeah. Indus civilization, and there's non-linear A. 
which is basically it's a guy talking in linear A, but he's just kind of he's a deconstructionist. So he's just constantly going a circle. I think we should do a podcast about the Minoan civilization. That would be – I'll sit and listen. It's and amazing. It's, uh, or the Sumerians. Ancient technology is fascinating. Right? So the Minoans had things like uh, internal heating and stuff like this. Yeah. That's and pretty cool. plumbing. Well, I mean, yeah. Like the, the, well, the Romans had those plumbing, aqueducts and all that stuff, right? I mean, yes. But anyway, we're getting far from our purpose, which is to talk about Frankenstein. Right. So Frankenstein <laughs> – I, I thought we were talking about hylomorphism. Well, Frankenstein is a great example to talk okay, about hylomorphism, okay. right? Because yeah. Frankenstein is just a bunch of old body parts that have been sewn together and then jolted with electricity and boom, he comes alive, right? Right. But would that really happen that way? Has anyone ever succeeded in actually doing that? No. Not that I know of. Why not? Because uh, Francis Bacon was wrong. That's why. So, wait, so is it kind of like the uh, is it kind of like the primordial soup problem? I don't know what the primordial soup problem. Is. Why you're stumping me here? You you you, you don't you, know what the primordial soup is? Well, I know what the primordial soup. Is the concept? Okay. I don't know about the problem. Right. See, so you you went to Rome and got another degree, and now you've come back way smarter than me. So now you're just you're just like there's this, bringing up all this stuff. There's the whole thing about the primordial soup, right? And that somehow there were all of these molecules floating around in the soup, and that got struck by lightning or whatever. And all of a sudden, you had the first living cell, right? And then it started evolving and evolving and evolving, and eventually you have apes and monkeys and man. And Shakespeare and typewriters and stuff, yeah, yeah. But we've never been able to really replicate that in a laboratory. All we've been able to do is have a bunch of molecules in a soup, strike them with electricity, and I think the most they've been able to do is maybe produce, like, some amino acids or something. It's like, oh, well, look, it's the materials for life, but not exactly a cell, which is a lot more complicated than Acid, that's acid. Acid, you get burned in acid, Halloween. Um. <laughs> so, so, but it's but basically it was a, a mean old acid. Frankenstein and the primordial soup problem are basically the same thing on different levels, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I think so. It, one is, can you create life out of non-life through, right. you, in a laboratory? That, yeah. And, and then the other one is, can you can you put a human together from parts? Well, here's the and thing: just is cause it, it to be the pro- yeah. The problem is, um, the, what this whole thing is about. What a lot of what all this spooky stuff in Halloween is about is about the question, a very relevant question given our modern society. What is life? I mean, and if you can just say, oh, well, life is just – so, I mean, I, was, I wasn't kidding when I said Frankenstein is the, the paradigm of post-Baconian science, right? I mean, We're going to have to start talking about organ donation now. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, but let's first, I'm going to say that – so – so Francis Bacon, Descartes, and these guys—they kind of—they rejected. There's four. They rejected two of the four causes from Aristotle: the formal cause and the final cause. And oh, now, spoken like a true TAC graduate. Yeah, yeah. So they only have the only thing they have left. Didn't you begin the podcast by saying it is fitting that? <laughs> that is a phrase. Fair that, enough. That only. Fair enough, uh, if you will, as it were. Um, Anyway, I don't even know what you were saying. Not Something qua like, podcast. Just why are we talking about Francis Bacon? Stay. I'm saying that Bacon rejects. He basically says that nothing is anything, and it sure as heck isn't for anything. It's just what it is and the arrangement of the parts, right? The agent cause and the material cause. So Socrates would ask the, the, the chief philosophical question. He'd point at the dog and say, what is it, right? And the question, if you point at a... Talk to a modern science guy and you say, a modern scientist, and you say, point to the dog, say, what is it? He'll give you a recipe. 
Why and would, that recipe why would... will be X amount of parts. No, 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 no. This no, much no, carbon, this no, much protein, and then no, he wouldn't. And he a punch would, list of how he, to put them together. He would give you the exact species and subspecies, right? According to the whole, you know, system of uh, what do you call it? taxonomy. T- okay, I'm and been... he would give you the uh, evolutionary heritage of that animal. Yeah, but he's still telling you the history of the location of these molecules or something. Like, okay, I'll get very TAC. Um, I'm, you guess what is it? Qua object, so to speak, right? I mean, what is this thing sitting here, right? And for the modern scientists, the only way that they can really truly know something, so to speak, is to reproduce it in a lab, right? Because the only thing that exists is the 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 uh, the material cause and the agent cause. What's the thing made out of? What's the arrangement of the parts? And that betrays a worldview all around us of that we are all nothing but atoms in the space between them, matter and energy, nothing else, right? So great. That begs the question, why is a corpse, a few seconds after it dies, different than a man? I can't believe you just used the inappropriate form of begging the question, and you're a TAC graduate. What did I say? Anyway, we'll move on. I'm a, I was a bad TAC here. Come on. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't good at the whole TAC thing, just for the record. But, you know, I'm not very logical. But I'm just saying that the, the idea that you can just go... You should, I don't. I, I'm not saying this is what Shelley was trying to get at when he wrote Frankenstein. Maybe he was. I don't know. There, there's, there's another doctoral thesis for you. You know, Frankenstein as a paradigm. I'm sure there have been a hundred doctoral theses on that topic. Frankenstein as the modern post-Baconian paradigm. But no, I'm talking about if you, if, if we are, if we are just basically the sum of our parts and the arrangement of those. Why can't you put them together and just? jump start it like a car right so i could become a frog if i wanted to be right i would just need to have a few surgeries well you can certainly become a woman (laughs) (laughs) if all that means is just having the parts right if you could take certain parts off put other certain parts on infuse certain chemicals into your body so you have this level of estrogen or whatever and you give that stir it all in with a sick into a secret sauce of a self-referencing kind of like you know your self-identification and suddenly just change a bunch of pronouns yeah then (laughs) yeah you just change you and then get very pedantic and start referring to people that are normal as cisgender then suddenly you're a trans woman right it's like that's where we've gotten right it's like that God, we're going to get in so much trouble for comparing trans to, to, to Frankenstein. Uh, so, uh, but okay. well, there, there is a difference between a normal, natural human being who has been born and grows up and is now an adult and Frankenstein. Right. Okay, and the difference is Frankenstein is put together from dead body parts from different people, right? Right. And then, then they shoot him with electricity, and boom, he comes alive. Yeah, but that, you, you, organ donation, you brought it up. The, you, I mean, at what, at what point, if you take a Chevy and you keep replacing it with Ford parts, at what point does it cease being a Chevy and become a Ford? Right? It's like, I mean, we're at 51%? I mean, it's like... Well, you know. this is like this whole cyborg problem. Right. There right? you so, go. So it might be possible at some point. And prob- I, mean, we're already, I mean, we already have cyborg-ish technologies, right? You can get a pacemaker. Yeah. You can get a brain stimulator type device. You can get a stint, which is very basic. But you can, you can also get um, artificial limbs. Mm-hmm. And those are getting more and more sophisticated. Uh, so they're also... I mean, you can get um, hips that are metal, right? 
Um, and that's what's interesting. We're starting to get to the point where so you could start replacing human you could, body uh, you parts. Could, you, once we once we start getting to the place where you know um, you can actually upgrade, you know, well, here's here's something that I, I I'm little fun fact about one of your hosts. I am missing my four five lumbar disc in the back of my back in 1996, early right before the semester started. I had a back surgery and they took it out, right? And it was mostly from 14 years of skateboarding, <laughs> lots of crashing and not taking care of myself. But they now have replacement discs. They've come up with replacement discs. Wow. And they have a really high success rate and a very next to like knees and hips are one of the surgeries that people five years later give real high marks, right? And the irony is they make them out of like a softer version of the same urethane that they make skateboard wheels out of. So if I ever get my back fixed, they'd be like, well, urethane took my back and urethane gave it back again, you know? Wow. So, so I mean, it's not going to be that far into the future where you've got somebody who says, you know what? I just want to be an example and become a media star and just have as many cyborg additions and changes as possible, Right. And so they're not only going to wear Google Glass, they're going to get themselves a pacemaker and replaced hips and replaced They're going to have Google eyes. Yeah, they'll have Google eyes. It'll be like a minority report. Yeah. Or, right, so you can get LASIK surgery, but and you can get installed contact lenses. I mean, there are all sorts of technologies. You can get cochlear implants if you have hearing problems. Yeah. There are all kinds of technologies like that that on one level seem like, oh, well, that's just like one basic minor tweak that we're just doing to help this one person. Right. right? But if you start putting those together into like a package. Right. Well, I mean, right and, now, you and can maybe get, it will become standard when you hit a certain age or a certain right. level of health decline that you just go get the <laughs> it's package. It's your forty thousand mile tune up, exactly. Right? It's like yeah, you go for your forty year tune up, and right? They, and they just you know replace your walk, knees and your hips and whatever. Yeah, yeah well, let's go. Hey, well, we do. We, you know, with the with the with the platinum package, we do the ankles, exactly. hips, and knees. We give you a LASIK, which you know, and and well, then now they're getting now. This isn't this is technology. It's not parts being added. But they have versions of LASIK now that are tooled for certain types of seeing. So if you are a, a marksman or something and you need to see at long distances or like you're a, you know, so you're some kind of certain kind of athlete, they can now fine tune your LASIK Crazy. to to make you. You should get LASIK for looking at for printed reading. printed page up close. You know? <laughs> you just, yeah, but right, the printed page will probably go away in my lifetime, and then I'll be looking at something else. Who knows what that will be? And you're la- and you'll be like, dang it, I got this old paper LASIK. But by then they'll have the, the new well, eyes. Well, yeah, no, right. The, the Google Glass will be projecting images on directly onto my retina. No, your Google, you'll have Google eyes by then. They'll oh, just right. replace your eyes with Google yeah, Glass with HD eyes. Yeah, you know. And what's, okay, so now the scary wait, thing wait, about I, I wanna, we got to get to organ donation, right? Because you said, well, we have a trouble defining the moment uh, at which something is alive, right? But we also have trouble defining the moment at which a person dies, right? So this is, I mean, where things get really creepy when they do um, brain death criteria, right? And then start harvesting organs from somebody, right? And their body still has that electricity in it and jerks around and experiences pain while they're harvesting the organs. Man, that is messed. They won't administer. Oh, anesthesia. this just got very Halloween again. Right? Now they won't administer anesthesia because that could cause some of the organs not to function as well once they transfer them. Oh, and then you just two stories that were in the media in the last few weeks that there was a woman who was in a coma and she came out, and I think she was down for like ten days or something, and that she came out. She was, like, I couldn't move. 
but I could hear everything you were saying. Like I was sitting here, I heard you guys arguing about unplugging me. I heard, you know, she sat there trapped with them talking about their families and the doctors are discussing whether or not to shut her off. And they're saying she's a vegetable and she's sitting inside going, I'm not a vegetable. I can hear you, but she couldn't move. Wow. Right. And then the other, just last week, uh, a paper was released that they have for the first time um, implanted three different times now a heart in a person that has been dead for 20 minutes. Like they now have put a part into another person that wasn't fresh harvested in the same hospital and brought right into the operating room like you're talking about. Yeah. They, it was actually that person died, pull it, 20 minutes later it goes in, which doesn't sound like much. But evidently, that's just an ocean in time for organ transplantation and don't transplants a donation, and so they put a heart in someone that had been dead for twenty minutes. Wait, wait, the 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 heart had been dead for twenty minutes. Okay, okay, and they and they they figured out how to make it work, and evidently, this is just going to completely widen the possibility. It's actually really good. It's super good, and in fact, I actually I have a friend in California right now who's. Wife had a massive heart attack, and she has an artificial heart right now, and she's on a on a, on a list. Wow! Like waiting for a heart, you know. So this is kind of close to home, you know. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. So I mean, there's these good things where it's like, okay, there's one part of us where we're like, okay, well, this no is, pun intended, one part of us. But <laughs> this gets into the creepy thing where they're growing human organs on on animals. Yeah, like that, like a mouse with an ear on yes, the back. Yes, yes, that was <laughs> the creepiest picture. I mean, that's probably ten years old now. Yeah, but, that's super. But there's creepy. this, there's this lab mouse, and there's literally a human ear growing on its back. But actually, I mean, if they really figure this stuff out, which they're working on, that'll be a heck of a lot better than like harvesting organs of people that may or may not be dead. Yeah, I'm right? fine. Yeah, as long as they. And, it, and what's interesting is that a lot of these new advancements in this kind of like regeneration stuff are coming out of adult stem cells mm-hmm. in that world. I remember flashback 15 years when anybody who wasn't completely on board with fetal stem cells was just a backwards idiot and nobody was taking seriously the adult stem cells. Now a lot of these huge regrowing, regenerating things are coming out of adult stem cells in certain right. aspects of these right. cells, right? So. Yeah, I think, man, that is the creepiest thing. I didn't know that you're – so someone's brain dead. They don't give them anesthesia. But for all we know, they're literally being cut up alive. Yeah. Man, that just got real Halloween real fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, <laughs> I mean this is Insert one of the things – sound effect. <laughs> this, this is something that I think is really ethically problematic and really scandalous about the current medical establishments, right, is that there's basically a market for organs, right? They're worth a yeah. lot of money. Right? Oh yeah, these yeah. organs are worth tens of thousands of dollars each, right? And the patient and the patient's family never see any of that money, right? So if you if you decide you want to donate your kidney, you're never going to get any money Dude, for we it. We should get the but free there, market involved in this. There will be money changing hands when you donate a kidney, and you will not see any of that money. I think, and, if, and that I think is really highly problematic, unethical, right? I mean, either there needs to be a blanket standard of like, this is how much money can change hands or not, like on a kind of state or national basis, or no money is allowed to change hands at all, right, for organs. But that's not how it works. It's to, so, so the hospitals, you know the hospitals are highly incentivized to convince you to donate your organs so that they can harvest them, right, when you die, or maybe not, um, uh, so that they can make money. I mean, it's, it's really okay. Could just just for the record, if there's any doctors that do this kind of thing listening, and I ever end up in a coma, <laughs> I am fat. 
I eat horribly. I drink too much, so the liver is probably completely off. My I, I need my eyes are worthless. Probably I need we're gonna glad. get a call from a lawyer who represents the AMA. Or right, whatever my back is my back donation. is shot. I mean, just pretty much just pass me over. Don't take anything. Maybe we should interview a doctor who does organ I harvesting. I have asked him all these difficult. I questions. haven't signed my organ donation on the back of my driver's license because, for the sake of whoever might get stuck with one of my organs, I mean, maybe if I'm better to him for a few years, maybe I'd be willing to give them up but I mean I'd hate to be the guy that got stuck with my kidneys so, I, I mean, I mean like, look yeah. the trouble isn't so much that organ donation in itself is problematic it's how right? they do it's it it's the way that it's done right and and, and so there there probably just need to be more universal standards oh and like for criteria for death oh and then when they, when they do that kind of harvesting like that there's one of the things they do is they take the skin for like burn victims and I mean it's literally like a big cheese cutter kind of thing it's like it's they take their skin off. It's just like this is the Halloween episode. <laughs> All right. Well, wait, wait. We, we got to get back to sound effect. Though. So we have to get chainsaw back to, sound effect. Enter here. So this is where we have to get back to hylomorphism, right? Because what is death, right? I think death. Bad. I think death is the separation of the soul and the body. Right. Right. So when the soul says, "Heck, I'm out of here. See you later. Goodbye," right, and and the body is still hanging around. So it's true. And like then the, the soul goes into someone's attic and rattles chains and goes, Ooh. Like Jacob Marley. Right. I just Who's Jacob Marley? You've never read uh, Charles Dickens? Which one? Oh, um, Jacob Marley. Christmas Story. Oh, I didn't know I had a name, though. Yeah. I have to see I'm, I don't know if I have read that. I've, made, I've watched a movie and there's a million different takes on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That. That's the guy who shows up and, and spooks <laughs> Scrooge. I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I did not read a book worth reading except for maybe maybe a Tolkien book until I was like 24. I read Trash, Fantasy, and Heresy until I was 24 years old. Man. I was intellectually raised by That actually by explains a lot about you. I'm an absolute – yeah, I'm a mess. I've told you. It's <laughs> like <laughs> – why were we talking about Jacob Marley in the first place? Uh, Hylomorphism. Oh, because you, you, your soul takes off and it goes and it rattles right. chains. Okay. So, so the, the thing is we have to find the point at which the soul actually leaves the body, right, in order to be able to do organ donation the right way. Right, but then how do you do that? How do you measure that, right? Well, with the solo meter, of course. The so- <laughs> They'll have one, too. Don't they have them on those, like, cable TV shows where they look for ghosts? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a change in the magnetic get, field. You just need the, those guys to show up at the hospital. Right, so every time you want to harvest organs. Yeah. yeah, just call the Ghostbusters. They call the Ghostbuster people, and they go, it's good. And then you just take a while. It's like, it's kind of like, have you ever, there was a, there's a great, there's an absolute, it's just, wait, 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 I got one. What about Frankenstein? We still haven't talked about oh, Frankenstein. There's, there's a spectacular, spectacular little sketch on an old episode of Monty Python's The Flying Circus. And they so, they say, here's so-and-so, so-and-so from Yorkshire, and what can you do, sir? I can put a brick to sleep. And you're like, Okay. Here, put this brick to sleep. And he's like, well, I can't put this brick to sleep. And they're like, why? Well, it's, it's already asleep. Well, how do you know that? Well, it's not moving, is it? Do we have a moving brick? And this brick comes flying from off the set onto the table. And he puts his fingers on his temples and goes, Arr! and of course it stops. And he goes, it's asleep. And everyone claps. It's like, it's the reverse of that. We have to figure out. <laughs> Come on. I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> Halloween, Halloween zaniness. No, I'm talking about trying to figure out 
I was jokingly saying like when something you're trying to figure out when something has stopped. Right when it's no longer, right, and so that was my yeah. My, but I suppose the other my funny anecdote is that people do have those near death experience things where their soul leaves their body and then comes back. Yeah, right. So if that happens, and we've harvested all your organs before your soul comes back, you got a problem. No, then you become a zombie. That's when. That's how zombies are made. I thought zombies were bodies without souls. Oh. Yeah, never mind. It's not zombies. That would be something. That'd be a ghost. A ghost. Okay. A soul without a body. Yeah. Well, what about? Well, okay. Um, so wait, wait, wait. So is Frankenstein possible? Right. Could I you, don't think so. I mean, could you just take a bunch of dead body parts, sew them together, strike it with electricity, you know, with a defibrillator or whatever, and boom, all of a sudden no, you've you got can't. A, a and, human and, and 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 I want, and I I want to won't know why. Well, so I mean, you could. I mean, you, if you have a person that dies, or right. at least their heart stops, and you use a defibrillator, you can bring them back, or CPR, or whatever, you can bring them back. Uh, my, right, so why not? Why couldn't you just bring? My friend in Kansas said he was dead for like a while. Like he died several times, and he was at one point he was dead for like close to an hour. Yeah, right. He so dropped why, he dropped dead and turned blue in the driveway with his daughter standing there. And luckily, a cop lives next door. A new CPR came out, and they jump started him like six times or something like that. And he's fine. So why couldn't you do that if you had all of the right parts? Right, if you had an artificial heart or whatever, and right. you put all the body parts together, eh, you just start it up. It's like it's like a lawnmower. But, but now I don't know that anyone's actually tried. I assume they have, but it's like you can't. Why right? not? Because it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? That's I. I think that because I mean, doesn't it, I mean isn't it would, because you we have are all more, of the right we are parts more together? than the sum of our parts. That's why we are more than just. This arrangement of physical parts with a jump start of electricity to get the chemistry going again. Now, someone could play devil's advocate and go, we just don't have the science yet. We do, there are so many variables and we don't understand them all, but one day we will. Now, this brings us to the conversation we we're having earlier about cloning. Wait, 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 wait. Let's just pause there before we get to cloning. So, do some people really believe that we could make an artificial human? <laughs> I would think. I mean, let's just. I mean, let's people just, believe all kinds of stuff. Let's just I'm sure it, someone is working. Let's just on take it. it to the extreme, right? So we have, you know, we can grow a human ear on a mouse, right? So let's right. just say we could grow all of the parts to make a human being on different, or animals, grow a human, right? Well, that's different, right? Because that makes sense, right? If you've got the, I mean, you, I, I could understand the idea of having like an artificial womb or something, right? Where a sort of and you started with all the parts. I'm not saying it's ethical. I'm not saying it should be done. Right. I think it would be possible, right, to 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 create an artificial womb where a baby could grow from an egg. And a, Duh! And they egg. already did it, Mark. It was in the Matrix. Everyone saw it. Duh! It's science. Okay, it's science. It's the Matrix. Okay. Well. <laughs> no, I get you. But, but could you say grow all of the parts of a, of an adult human? Right. Sew them together. Right using sophisticated techniques and then use a defibrillator and bring it to life. I don't think you can. And I think the problem is, is that, okay, here I'm going to, I'm going to sound like a TAC here again, Aristotle. The soul, the soul is the form of the body, right? It's the, it's the, it's the, the it's the, the principle well, of why motion. Why would you just get a new soul when that happens? Ah, there you go. So when or how do we get a solomatic? You got the solometer. We right. got we got to build a solomatic. We could crank out souls. Maybe get a soul upgrade. I'd sign up for one of those. <laughs> so, 
So you would need- you could get your soul cleaned. You just take it out. They could like you know kind of run it through a run it through and clean it out. But, but, but let's just put it back in. Let's go back. I mean, could you do this with? Could you make like a dog? I mean, I think fish? you're you're way more likely to be able to make a dog or a fish. The question is, can you make a, an amoeba? Oh yeah, I suppose you need to start there. I mean, can you get right? The so no scientist has ever succeeded in in uh, creating life from non-life. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I, I certainly haven't heard of it. So maybe maybe they need to be able to figure out how to do that first. You said that maybe they've created like an amino acid or something like that. Yeah, right. right. In the in the whole primordial soup experiments. Right. So. Well, maybe you just have to. Maybe you just have to do the primordial soup experiment over, a, over a, trillion, a trillion times, and, and then, one out of a trillion, you get a dog. Right? It's like you know. <laughs> okay. Well, I know it, right, it's now rough. We, now but, we need to go to cloning. Okay. Rough. So, like, so there's been all sorts of science fiction about cloning and whatever. They have successfully cloned a sheep, right, Dolly? Right. Yeah. They've successfully cloned some other things as well, besides sheep, I believe. Right. But um, that, that cloning process, though, it's a matter of time before they successfully clone a human. But that's what you. But I, there's an interesting thing because you were saying that the. I think that if you clone something, isn't that pretty much your artificial womb, the Matrix thing that we were talking about? Well, I mean, this is this is the. There are two or three different questions we need to ask about cloning, right? So one is if I don't feel I know enough about the process to even speculate on it. If you succeed in cloning a human being, would that human being have a soul? The, would the clone have a soul? Well, the soul is the form of the body, but the question is, is it a body because it has a soul to be the principle of motion and rest in it? Or if you can actually get a body together, part of the then it it, it, it it emits a soul, so to speak, or it, like it, the form of it, if it works somehow, that that mojo that is more than the sum of the parts is the soul. Would it be an eternal soul? That is a technical Aristotelian philosophical term. <laughs> just for those of you who weren't look, quite I, clear on that, I look. I will show. I will sh- off air. I will tell you my GPA from TAC. Okay, it was not. So I, I cannot be pegged with being a good representative of that college. So the way cloning normally works, right, is they clone something on the cellular level first. Yeah. Right? And then that cell develops and grows into the adult right. animal, right? Um, unfortunately, science fiction usually gets this wrong. And so in science fiction, cloning is usually like a copying of an adult. Right. Not a cloning of their DNA from baby on up. And so what happens in science fiction that would never, ever happen in actual cloning is that the clone remembers the things from the uh, exemplar. Right. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. That's not how it works. You you can't just – I mean a clone is not a copy of an adult. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a copy of an adult, but it has to start as a baby. Right. It has to start as a zygote or whatever and work. Right. I mean – and. Since this is a theme today, I'll I'll be the token Aristotelian here. I mean, art imitates nature, right? And that's what they're doing. When you're making an artificial womb or something, you're basically – I mean, it's like there's a good example. Um, like JP2 talks about the difference between artists and what we do and what God does. God creates, we craft, mm-hmm. right? Because we have to start with preexistent material. Right. Right. So that's, it's an art. I mean, it's, it's an artisan act. You can make really good coffee, really good wine, or a sheep. Right. You know, you, you figured out how to take pre-existing material and create an environment that imitates nature enough to make something grow. 
okay. I mean, I think it's probably dangerous. I think we don't know enough about it, and things could get weird. And yeah, well, this actually is where it goes back to bananas. Okay, I'll buy okay. the banana. Right, but because bananas are all – so the bananas that you buy at the grocery store are all genetically identical. Did you know that? I did not know yeah, that. They're that all, creeps me out. It is creepy, right? They're all genetically identi- identical. And what's weird is that there was a previous kind of banana, the Big Mike banana, which was popular in the 1950s. That, and there was a blight against that type of banana, and they all died out. And so they had to come up with a new, a new strand of banana – since, since bananas were genetically identical and the Big Mike bananas basically went extinct, they had to come up with a new strand of banana to produce uh, that would be as similar to the Big Mike banana as possible. But apparently the Big Mike banana was more tasty than the current banana. Wow. Right. Did you just – you just made the world a little less m- – Good for me. It's like, I missed out on the Big Mike. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, exactly. Many, it's got too many carbs. Well, anyway. and apparently the Red Delicious Apple used to be more delicious before they messed with it with all this hybridization oh, stuff. Oh, Red Delicious apples are horrible. Right, but apparently they're, they used to be really good. Yeah, they're mealy and they're just horrible. Right, right. You know, right. I, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I can remember when they introduced the Fuji, and I just thought that was just. You know, now that's just like, that's the old hat. Now there's all these cool new Honeycrisp apples. I just had a sweet tango apple today. I, I, I've i never had a sweet tango apple. I had a Honeycrisp apple good. the other day. Honeycrisp is amazing. I really like Honeycrisp yeah. apples. Was it one of the big ones or the small ones? It was a small one. Yeah. It's got good flavor. They're really good. Um, but some of them are too big. They're like the size so, of So, I mean, I'm fine. If we, could, if we could, um, if we could, you know, come up with a cow that, if we could, you know, Make you know do something to make grass fed beef really fatty and full of omega threes, and you could get it for a dollar a pound because we're growing it in a lab or something, and it really did work. Okay, but they're growing beef now; they're growing it on sheets, like, and they stretch it to replicate exercise stuff. But it's not going to be good, and it's not going to be good for you. It's just not going to be good. So if they really could pull this off. Then okay, fine. I just want to be healthy and have something tasty. I don't have a, a, a base level objection. I tend to like things that are fairly natural. I, I like things to be natural. But I mean, if it works, well, I mean, th- and this is where things are getting kind of Star Trekky, right? Because you can actually three D print food now. Okay, you're just blowing my mind today. You've never heard of this? Three D no. printed food. You've heard of three D printing? Yeah. Right. So, and it's usually plastic or whatever. Well, they can also three D print concrete and metal and these other things. It's very expensive, obviously, but there are companies working on three D printed food. And there's this guy who had a three D printed meal, which is basically like the replicator in Star Trek. <laughs> Right, you're telling me they're working on the replicator. Well, I mean, it's not it's not exactly the same thing because the replicator involved a matter of energy conversion, right? Which we have not figured out yet, right? And maybe never will. Okay, but so so this would involve substrate materials and things. I mean, the three D printing three D printing food involves obviously ingredients, right? Um, but that's getting pretty close. I mean, yeah, it's starting to look like I don't know if you remember reading um, Ray Bradbury, The Martian Chronicles. Uh-uh. There's this one story in there where basically everybody on Earth has died out, but somebody had this kind of automatic house of the future that they were living in, and the automatic house of the future keeps doing all the stuff that it would have done if there were people living in it, including making food. So every morning it prepares breakfast and whatever else, even though there's nobody there to eat it. Um, so it just piles up? And yeah, it just sort of piles up. But So that would be the same kind of thing that we might start to have happening, right? I mean, can you imagine if rather than, have, rather than going grocery shopping, you had like a delivery truck that would show up and, and put ingredients into your food 
printer. Right. Right. And then you would just print your breakfast every morning. You know, waffles today, eggs tomorrow, whatever. Wow. It's like I mean, it sounds horrific on the one hand, but on the other hand, you're like, well, well, if we had a colony on Mars, they would probably need something like that. But what's what's pretty interesting though is that you see in things like Star Trek, the lore around the replicator is the someone will come back from the surface, and they'll have a real strawberry. Yeah, and people just tweak out, and they have a party, and they divide it up, and they taste this real food. And they're like, and they kind of all acknowledge that, oh, this is just so much better than the, the you know, it's just the replicator just never gets it right. Right. You know, I mean, so there's. Well, okay. No, no. Oh, sorry. Now, now we have to go back to uh, your, your whole thing about hospitality and the coffee shop and Starbucks and all this, right? So I think. Oh, this no, got no, really no, scary. No, this it's is all, very Halloween now. We use the S word. Yeah, it's all. It's Ooh, a, Starbucks. It's, <laughs> it's all going to connect back, right? So, so in Star Trek, right, there's a bar, right? And they just use the replicator to produce the drinks and then hand them to people, right? <laughs> Which is basically Which, Starbucks. Right, right. So there's no, there's no um, human craft at all. Right. Into the mixing of the drinks or, or, right, right. or whatever, the only human craft going on at all is is somebody walking your drink to you, right? Right. Doesn't that sound a little familiar? Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you have the automated grinder and the automated shot puller and the automated everything, yeah. I mean, I guess they still steam the milk by hand, right? You know, I'm I'm designing a, a new shop. But how soon will it be until Starbucks comes up with a way to automatically steam the milk? Well, no, you can do that. They can they they have machines that will steam the milk and shoot it into the cup. That's, See, that, that's been existed for a while. Yeah. Um, but I'm designing a, a new coffee bar for a client in uh, Pennsylvania right now, and I'm really leaning towards. Uh, mod bar or the Seneso version of mod bar, which is basically all the big stuff that's on the counter is under the counter. And there's just these little soda siphon looking things. Those are the groups for the espresso and a little thin steel tube coming up with a little handle on it. And that's the steam wand. So there's nothing between you. So you'll notice when you walk into a Starbucks, that there's a big high wall covering you can't even see the back of the machine really except of right. the beans sticking up you can't certainly can't watch the person work very well because it's not really beautiful work right yeah but i'm i'm so i'm doing the anti version of that i'm about to build a bar where there will be nothing between the customer and the barista and you can literally watch every little motion he makes yeah that'd be great when he makes espresso so that's um. Well, you made this. I didn't know you were gonna get that spooky. You brought up Star Starbucks on the Halloween episode. <laughs> I cringe just hearing the word. Okay, so it's like Candyman. If how, you say the if you say the word three times, they show up. I think I think we need to retreat from science fiction land of of food replicating back through to hylomorphism, and I think the way to do that is androids. Androids, right? So, I mean, this is part of the dream. Evil of the, androids. This is part of evil the dream. Halloween androids. This is part of the whole like Isaac Asimov science fiction dream of the future. Yeah, right? This idea of having these autonomous beings that have artificial intelligence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Did you did you see the, this this thing that came out this last week? Elon uh, El, Elon Elon Musk, the guy from from SpaceX and all that. He basically begged the world for here's a tech. Entrepreneur, he begged the world for crush, crushing regulation to basically make building artificial intelligence impossible. Because he he compares it to the necromancer who tries to conjure up a demon because he thinks he can control it, and then it gets loose and it can it takes him out and then it goes on a rampage. Right? He literally a press conference. It's it's a, it's it's on the current newsfeed right now. Elon Musk calling for. 
no, no, no artificial intelligence. We don't know enough about this. It could get out of hand and bite us. Look, I think yeah. Elon Musk is really interesting and maybe visionary. But, I mean, the Hyperloop's never going to happen. Sorry. I don't know. It's not going to happen because he didn't build it. If he had built it, it would have happened. But he didn't build it. He just said, I have cool plans to build a Hyperloop here. Yeah. World, have them. In the same way, Elon Musk is not the king of the universe. Well, no, I'm so just – no, I was just saying that – Artificial the, intelligence is probably going to happen. I was just saying no that this, this is exact – this – someone who's in that world showed an Asimovian – Kind of like dark fear of the thing. Yeah. Well, no, it is scary, right? I mean, to 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 grant any sort of sentience or consciousness, even if it's not really the real thing. But they just they just finally got, just recently, they finally got the Turing test. They got got a a a program to pass a Turing test where they convince they 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 got a program to convince humans that this person that they're talking to is a a strange Ukrainian teenage boy. And, you know, because the grammar is a little off or something like that. And they, they, when they factor in, oh, he's this is second language. Okay, they got people to consistently buy the Turing test on this new program, but they had to tell them it was a Ukrainian teenage boy. And so it's like, we're kind of, I don't know, I think it's going to be a lot harder to do than we. I think we're way much more I, fearfully made than I the, think that the, the, the high is bar is actually going to be robotics, not programming. Does that make sense? No, you mean like making an in function or, or appearance? Uh, just in terms of making an artificially intelligent being that can actually like interact with the world and do things. Yeah, I think it's be a lot easier to make an artificially intelligent software program than it is to to make it like an artificially intelligent robot. Right. I think that I think we're way more likely to have something like um, the OS in the movie Her, where it can respond to you and learn your likes and dislikes and your humor, and you could. I mean, did you, did you read there was an article going around about an autistic boy who made really good friends with Siri? And like a, a little boy who's autistic and his best friend is Siri. Huh. And he talks to her and asks her questions all the time and stuff. And she gives him very logical answers or just doesn't understand him and asks for another question. And it's nice and clean. And he sits and talks to Siri all the time. You know, I mean, I think that you take that or you take the, the OS that Scarlett Johansson's voice does in um, the um, – uh, in the movie Her, I think that you could end up getting in a situation where, because we're already kind of like in this weird quasi relationship with our technology, you know, and I got, <laughs> this probably should be a minute. I got scolded by Siri yesterday because I kept trying to get a text message while I was driving. It was something urgent, but I couldn't pull over. So I was like, Siri, text K, and I said her last name. And it kept messing it up. And at one point, I had hit the button again, but I didn't But I didn't mean to, and I cursed. And Siri's voice came on and said, Drew, such language. Wow. <laughs> because I had... I was testing. Now that's out, getting freaky. I and I was testing yeah. out Siri's functions one time when I first got the phone, and I said, "Call me Drew." And she said, "From now on, would you like me to call you Drew?" And I went, "Yeah." And I forgot that I did that. And every once in a while, she'll call me Drew. She uses my name every once in a while. Why? So yesterday, she said, "Drew, such language," because I cursed at my phone. <laughs> it's like so. Man, oh man! I've been to confession. Since. It's kind of like a ghost. It is kind of like a ghost. Yeah, it's like a, a soul without a body, but it's not really a soul. But there's, and I think that that's where we could end up. We could end up with something that passes the Turing test so well that it's very particular to you because it learns 
your habits. I mean, okay, good example. Speaking of this exact thing, cursing and technology, right? If you, I've learned this in. Um, you already said this once in the podcast. I don't think you should say it again. Oh well, yeah. If you if you cuss at a robot yeah. on, on customer yeah. service, you, you they give this. you they give you yeah. to a, a real person. Right. I I think, but I, but I think that the software circles. is scanning for these certain words that indicate deep frustration, and then go no, get them to a person because they might cancel their account. Right. Right. I think this circles back to our discussion of virtual reality. It does circle back. Yeah, and and that what we risk isn't so much, I don't think, creating some sort of master robot that's going to like take over the universe. Right. I think what we risk is getting sucked into a false reality, right? Where we've created this thing yeah. out of plastic and digits and zeros and ones, and we practically live in it, I, you know, right? The, the problem is... Rather is than living in the real world. I think that that's one of those things where it's like, I think that happened a long time ago. Yeah. I think we're down that rabbit hole already. It's kind of like when, when did pe- it happen? Did it's it- like when people talk about um, no, you know, we we're we're about to go into a state of communism, and we're not going to be in the the system of government that our founding fathers saw, and all that. And then you just kind of go, well, actually, yeah, that kind of happened with the New Deal. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like we kind of fundamentally changed how we're kind of doing the public funding thing and all that. With you know, it's like it's like I think that with television, when you had the entire nation being able to see the same four channels and all watch the same thing over and over again. And I mean, I think that's, I think, I think we, we went down this virtual rabbit hole roughly in the 1950s. Hmm. I mean, it's like the advent of television and it's, or maybe even radio, but definitely. But I mean, if you think about even in a society, there, I, okay, there's always been memes. Me, there's always been memes. Take it back even further. There's always right? been memes, but the memes could only travel through, you know, I mean, the town crier yelling yeah, and everyone listening. What about the newspaper? What about uh, 19th yeah. century periodicals and novels? Yeah, I mean, maybe back there, yeah. I mean, where you, you do have a mass culture that's all pursuing the same fictional stories. And I think you could have these same medium. things happen before te- media technology, but it just took generations. Or it took much longer, you know. Like um, there's places in Europe where they, they, they're just like scared to death of drafts. Right, every 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 country has this thing that they're just like obsessed with for health. Like I think with the Italians, it's like digestion. You know, they always have these digestifs and these things. You know, and I think it's like in England and stuff. The drafts are a big deal, right? So I mean, you're probably not getting sick from a draft, but someone had to tell somebody's grandma told them, "Oh, shut that window, you'll get sick from a draft." And then three or four generations later, everyone just kind of accepts, "Oh, drafts make you sick," right? Well, in America, all we'd have to do is kind of put that out there the sound bites everybody would call in get their sound bites and then inside of a few weeks everyone's using these phrases you know and these phrase these memes go around these these phrase memes you know like the new normal all things being equal you know these 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 you, you see them like you never you haven't heard that phrase in a while and then it hits you from every direction because people start picking it up from each other right it's an idea virus Right, Seth Godin book, the Unleashing the Idea Virus, really good business book. Um, it's an idea virus, you know. And so I think that we've been down that rabbit hole for you a just while. Just plugged a book, and they didn't even pay us for that. That was totally. It's a, free. it's a book that's almost out of print at this point, but it's a really good book, though. Um, I think um, I, I can't wait to plug my own book um, once I get it done, and your book, um, our well, books. Okay, okay, Maybe so, we should so, write a book. We well, our let's, book. Let's circle back to to the beginning, right? So. So we have this 
nature, right, as hylomorphic beings, as ensouled bodies or embodied souls. Right, right. right. And there's something really spooky about having a soul without a body or a body without a soul. Yeah. And there's something really problematic about having something like a Frankenstein. Right. Something that, that's not properly speaking a body having a soul. Right. Like the ghost in the machine, so to speak. Well, right? or, and that's or, why or for, an artificially intelligent android. Right. 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 Where, so artificial intelligence is sort of like a soul without a body. Right. right. And a Frankenstein we think is impossible because you couldn't just take a bunch of body parts and make them into right. um, something. And then, and then a clone is, is, is likewise problematic, right? right? As having a kind of like having a copy of somebody else's body, but does it get an actual human soul or not? I think that you and I were talking about this earlier, and I think this is going to be interesting. I, I, I agree with the speculation you were talking about. And let's say you have – let's say we do absolutely – Someone clones a human being. I think it'll be an animal, and not a human. It'll have a soul. Right. It'll have what Aristotle like a, calls an, an, an a locomotive, like, soul. like a sheep soul or a dog. Yeah, it'll soul, have a right? soul that right. can move itself around and eat, and has certain basic instincts and all that. It'll be an ape, but that, won't be able to reason. That looks like a human being. It might yeah. even be able to learn rudimentary grunts and language and make sign language like an ape can or something. But it, it can make you know, it can maybe internalize concepts like tool making faculty, except internal or something. Oh, man. But I don't think it's going to be able. It's going to be an advent of huge ethical problems. It won't reason though. Yeah, because then what if? Yeah, does it have human rights? Right. Yeah. 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 So there you go. You make a human. It's shaped like a human, and it can actually do some of the stuff that humans do. Maybe even swing a hammer or drag a brick, or something. But it's the equivalent of an ox. Maybe, or you can, or you can. Now, tra- see, this is where it gets really dangerous. Or you, right? or you can make them. You can make them really pretty and traffic them or something. I mean, there's a lot of there's a bunch of ethical there's a lot bugaboos of ethical right there, there, man. You know, it's like, you know, it's like. So that's why I think that cloning is just that's just a, a hallway we just don't need to go down because there's something spooky down the end of it on the Halloween episode of the or artificial the intelligence, right? Both of those are I, relatively spooky. I mean, I think artificial intelligence. As long as we keep it, I'm fine with artificial intelligence in a certain extent because when you see the intelligence is in a computer, it is human intelligence in another place. It only has what we give it. When we start getting to the point where we're making it like us and it can make something that we didn't give it permission to make and it can keep going and it can program, maybe this it reads all the philosophy books and reads all the ethics books and it decides that we're all too hung up on money and everyone it says that greed is bad. And so it gets together with all the other programs and they shut off the system that allows us to, to clear everybody's bank accounts and the credit cards don't work anymore you know, or something like that for our own good. Because it's a very clean calculation. Money causes greed. Greed causes violence. Let's clean out all the bank accounts. And then now, I mean, that's the kind of clean mechanical logic that maybe a program would make, right? And we go, hey, no, that's not a good idea, right? No, maybe it is a good idea. Right? So, but, well, I don't know. I like my, I, there's not much in my bank account, so they can, <laughs> the robots can come take it. I, I, I don't know if you know, but I think we all know. That we've come to the end of another episode of the Over the Counter Podcast. The end of the podcast. <laughs> this has been the Halloween edition of the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I am Count Andrew Whaley. 